Hi guys and welcome back to the third episode here of the Emphatic Fanatics. We have a cracking episode that we can't wait to bring to you. Um, so we're going to get right into it. Of course, first and foremost, thank you ever so much for to everyone who listened to episode one and two and also the support we, we've had regarding our name change. We really appreciate it um, and it does not go unnoticed as well. Obviously, we've changed our name. It was a bit gotten. But we've still got a cracking name, the Emphatic Fanatics. Um, and what we're still going to do is bring you all the facts, the gossip and opinions on the beautiful game of football. So nothing's changed. We're still here. We've just got a different name. That's all it is. So with me today, I've got my two regulars. I've got Jordan. Hello, Theo. Hi, Jordan. Good to have you. Good to have you. And I've got Luca as well. All right, Theo. Good to see you too, Luca. So we've got a really interesting topic today. And I think it's something you're all going to be really, really interested in, both Jordan and Luca and also you, fellow listener. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this year's transfers. So we've got six players we know will need replaced um, in the summer window. And we're going to say whether, um, sorry, I'll rephrase that. We're going to say who we think should replace them. So these are key players to a team and which player or players should replace them. So it's going to be a really interesting one and I'm sure you'll have plenty to say. So we're going to first of all kick off with Jordan. Jordan, who are you going to start off with? Well, it's a man in the headlines at the moment um, and that is Timo Werner. Uh, a man that has been linked with a £67 million move to Chelsea. Uh, first of all, I was going to get your opinions on that, boys. What do you make of Werner going to Chelsea? Do you think it's a one? It's a good sign, and we all know that. But how impactful do you think he'll be on the Premier League and to Chelsea themselves? I've been thinking about this for a while now. I've had over a week to kind of think of this information. Uh, when I first heard it, I thought to myself, "Why would he do that? Why? That's a bit. It's kind of a sideways step for Timo Werner." But the more I've thought about it, the more it makes sense. Because Chelsea needs someone to lead the line. They're crying out for a player like him. They've invested heavily in Ziyech. They've got Pulisic. Um, Havertz could be coming as well. Timo Werner could be the focal point of a really young, impressive Chelsea attack and team. And Lampard's building something there. He'll definitely get the minutes. Um, and Chelsea kind of play... Not fully like Leipzig do, but, but they play quite similar. So, all in all, it's obviously a cracking move for Chelsea, and I think it'd be a good move for Timo Werner. I don't know what you think of that, Luca. Yeah, I agree. I, I think wherever Timo Werner goes, he'll score goals. But definitely, I think, um, I don't know what Lampard said to him, but I think he, he will have told Werner that he couldn't obviously, obviously, Werner can be the next big thing, but I think Werner's buying into something if he goes to Chelsea. Because, as you said, they're rebuilding and who knows what can happen. Yeah, and especially you mentioned Kai Havertz, Theo, there. Obviously, if they bring in Kai Havertz as well. I mentioned it uh, on the episode two that we done about, obviously, the, the national teams. I meant, when Luca mentioned Kai Havertz, one of the teams was Chelsea that I mentioned as well. Um, but, obviously, Werner going there now, it's a great signing for, for Chelsea. I, I think with Werner, you, you look at um, his goal scoring. If it wasn't for Lewandowski, he would probably be even more hyped up. Um, but because he's he's got a, 
a legend probably in the game in the Bundesliga. He's competing with it. It's hard to shift uh, Lewandowski's name out of the headlines. But but you've got to look at his goal scoring. Uh, and even from four years ago, 16-17, he got 21 goals. 17-18, 17 goals. 18-19, 16 goals. And this season, 25 goals in the Bundesliga. So he's he's kept that consistency and he deserves a move he really does he really deserves a move and I think Chelsea again he's you could say Liverpool are obviously riding high at the moment with the Champions League and likely to win the or gonna win the Premier League we should say um and fair enough he could have went to Liverpool but is he guaranteed starts who knows obviously they've got a front three there already um it would probably mean Firmino dropping back into the cam role uh, if he was to go in there but I think Chelsea's a good move. Obviously, you've got Tammy there. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it gets on. But it'll be, I think that'll be a really interesting move for him. Anyway, less, less so on Chelsea, because we'll, we'll talk about them further on a, a, another episode, um, probably when we, we're dis- dissecting teams in the Premier League themselves. But I was thinking of players that could replace, replace Timo Werner at Leipzig. Um, so I've profiled three uh, young, young players that could come in. Uh, the first is Myron Boadu from AZ Alkmaar, um, a Dutch 19-year-old. Uh, he's come through their academy uh, this year, uh, especially. Uh, he came, I think it was last year, he kind of got a few games, uh, or the season before he got a few games. But this season, he's really kind of marked as, or set, set down as Mark uh, in the Eredivisie. Um, so it's quite an interesting season. He's played 24 games and 13 games in, well, 24 games in the league, 13 games in the Europa League. And in total for them goals, he scored 20 goals um, in both competitions and also got about 13 assists as well. Um, so a really good scoring record uh, and a good assist record as a striker because that's the thing. If you see a young striker getting loads of goals, you think, oh, is he just poaching inside the box? But as we see here, he's also assisting his teammates, likes of Calvin Stengs as well, uh, who's playing alongside at Altmar. Um, so yeah, so it's a it's an interesting player. Um, maybe a bit too young, I think. He's 19, so he's still got probably a couple of years, I think, um, in, the, in, in the Dutch league. Um, obviously, I think his transfer, mark, transfer uh, value of Transfermarkt is 16 million, but I do believe that obviously Transfermarkt do under undervalue the players there. Um, so I think you're probably talking upwards of 30, um, in my opinion, for a player out the out the Dutch league. Have you heard much about Boadu before, uh, guys? And and have you do you know much about him? Yeah, but but there's a but there's a, a decent player. Um, he would be a shout, but I do agree with what you said before yeah. about his age. I think yeah. this season AZ Alkmaar have really overperformed. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they've got a pretty talented squad with obviously Calvin Stengs and Coop, Coop Miners as Coop well. Miners, yeah. I was thinking He's a really, really good player, yeah. Coop Miners. I do agree with you though in the sense that I think Badu could, if he, this move probably comes a bit too soon for him. Yeah. I think yeah. he maybe needs a couple more seasons, maybe at yeah. least one. Um, but, but no, that's so, a very good shout. So, so that's Badu. one, so that's definitely one of the players I, I profiled because I think he's had a cracking season. But I've got to say, there's another player, there's another couple of players in there as well. Uh, another player is Jonathan David out of Ghent. Uh, he's been linked uh, to Arsenal recently. Uh, he's a mm. Canadian striker, 20 years old. So still very young, 20 years old. You've got to give him credit though, where it's due. Uh, this season, he's got around about 
14 goals um, and five assists. Um, so it's not a lot, uh, but a good season nonetheless uh, at 20 years old. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Oh no, that was the. Sorry, that was that was uh, 18, 19 actually. Sorry, that this year is actually 21 goals and eight assists. So much better actually uh, in terms of stats this year. So he's had two good years um, in the league in the Belgian first division. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Uh, obviously linked with 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 Arsenal. Um, so it, obviously they've got competition if they want to go for him. And again, his transfer market value is about 20 million. Um, so you're probably saying a wee bit more, probably 25 million, 30 million possibly uh, for a player like Jonathan David. Um, but the last, the last but not least, the player that I've gone for that I think RB Leipzig should replace Timo Werner with is Victor Oshiman uh, from Lille. Um, I've gone for him. Uh, for a couple of reasons. Obviously, he's Nigerian-born. Um, he's 21 years old, so slightly older than the two I've profiled uh, by a couple of years. Um, and he's also played in the Bundesliga before. He played for uh, Wolfsburg uh, when he was a kid. So he played there, I think he played there probably around about when he was 16, 17. Um, so he's played in the Bundesliga before. Uh, and this season, yeah, is he's had a really good season at Lille. Uh, 38 games played, 18 goals. Oh no, 13, 38 games combined. Sorry, with 18 goals and six assists. Um, so really good year. And yeah, I think he's the type of player I would go for. He's probably the most likely to move out of the three of them. Uh, he's been linked with a, a number of clubs. And yeah, his transfer market value transfer market value is 24 million. Um, but again, as we've seen with the likes of Nikolai Pepe, um, who moved the year before, um, he could be upwards of 70 million. Like, I'm not saying it will be Pepe's transfer, like, transfer value, but it could be up there with the likes of players coming out of Ligue 1. Uh, what do you guys, do you guys rate Oshiman or what, what do you think of him? Yeah, I think, I think Oshiman's a quality player. He's fast. Uh, he's tall, so he can head. Yeah, I think, I think that'd be a quality replacement. What about you, Theo? Do you think he'll be a good replacement for Werner? Um, in terms of like for like, uh, he'd be he's probably a work in progress as well. And Leipzig like a bit of a project. I haven't seen too much of of Omishen, but um, he's got the raw attributes that that you can work with and really turn into a really good player. So I definitely think out of the three players, as you quite rightly said. Mm-hmm. He, he definitely probably is the best choice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think he's going to be, as you said, a work in progress. Um, only one year in Ligue I think, uh, if I'm right. But I'm, 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 maybe you had a one or two. But this year he's really kicked on. And it'll be, I think he probably should stay there at Lille probably for another year. But if Leipzig come calling and you're Lille, I think you'd sell him. Um, especially, obviously, with the coronavirus situation at the moment. Um mm. Clubs maybe in Europe because France didn't finish, uh, they might want to to sell up. And again, uh, prices might go down for him right now. And if you want to get him now for a cheaper price, it might be worth worth going for him. So yeah, that that I would go for Victor Oshiman if I was uh, RB Leipzig to replace Timo Werner. So yeah, that's my ultimate shout for for Leipzig. Brilliant work covered there, Jordan. Really enjoyed that. Some really good suggestions there. It's pretty going to be pretty tough to beat that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I think Leipzig will be looking for a new head of uh, scouting. I know. I see, I take 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 Ragnick's position. I'll take that. Ragnick's no bother. <laughs> so we're going to move on now to Luca. Take it away for us. Who are you going to profile? Right. Yeah. So staying in the Bundesliga, a man also in the headlights, Jaden Sancho. Um, he started at Watford and then moved to Man City. Uh, played there in the youth teams, and then Dortmund bought him in 2017 for seven million. Um, obviously, it's turned out to be a bit of a bargain now. Uh, over four years at Dortmund, he's played 75 games and he scored 30 in the Bundesliga and got 38 assists. So that's 68 in 75, which is an insane return, um, especially for such a young young kid. Where will Sancho go if he moves? Well, apparently, uh, sources said that he, he is really wanting to return to the Prem. There's talk of Man U obviously buying him uh, and Dortmund have told United that they want £115 million. Um, apparently, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is desperate to bring him into Old Trafford because if you think about it, lads, Rashford, Pogba, Fernandes and then Sancho, United, United are back, I reckon. United are back. Uh, but yeah, um, City also linked with buying him back because Leroy Sané has been linked with Bayern. So if he moves, bringing in Sancho would be a good idea. But I don't think, I don't think Sancho wants to go back to City, to be honest. Um, but yeah, wherever Sancho goes, it's, it's, it's a great bit of business from, from Dortmund. Buying him for 7 million and selling him for upwards of 100. It's, it's quality. Uh, but if he does move, obviously that's going to leave a huge gap in the Dortmund team. So who do I think will replace that? Well, they've got they've got obviously Sunderland born Jordan Giovanni Reina. They do, who's yes, yeah. Been, been like a very good young player, um, but in terms of bringing someone in, Ansu Fati. First of all, what do you what do you think about him, lads? He's definitely broke on the scene, uh, Fati. He's 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 a very interesting player. I do think I would stay at Barcelona if I was him. Um, at the moment, he's not probably ready for first team game time. Like he is ready, but it's, it's whether do you do you want to leave Barcelona right now when Messi's aging out, um, and you've got that option there maybe in the future to to take a position. I'm not saying he will take Messi's position, but I'm saying he's one of those players that will be occupying one of the front three roles. Um, obviously. It's hard to say what Barcelona will do in the future, but I do think that Fatty will be a part of that future uh, with with them. So I, I do think it would be, a, again, Dortmund like to buy young players and he would suit their profile um, 100%. So again, it'll be interesting to see what they do in terms of replacing Sancho. But yeah, Fatty's a good shout. Look, uh, I wasn't actually thinking of him uh, personally. Yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah, Fatty's a Fatty's a really good shout. Um, I think I, I agree with Jordan um, in in the sense that Fatty staying at Barcelona would make sense. But I also think it's a good idea for him to move because Barcelona, Messi's thirty one, thirty two. Messi's going to be at Barcelona for two, three years, um, and really, unless Barcelona get rid of Usman Dembele um, and and Cole. Fatty, I don't think we'll find that game time. And Dortmund historically buy young players and give them the opportunity to perform, um, especially with Sancho. And I think Fatty could 
do a bit of a Sancho path. But one thing's for sure with with, um, with Dortmund as well, that there is a reason why a lot of young players from clubs all around the world, for example, Jude Bellingham, why he would be interested, a lad from Birmingham moving to Dortmund instead of, say, Manchester United. And that's because of what Dortmund offer for, for young players, because of the fact that they, they offer this environment where a young player can grow and really you know, improve their footballing skill as well as playing first-team football. So I do think Fatty's a good shout and I'll be interested now to, to hear a bit more about why you think Fatty I would, would slot in. I would also say, Theo, with, with Ansu Fatty, he, it's different to Sancho though because when Sancho was at City, he was not even close to the first team. He wasn't, he wasn't like on the bench really. He, he, he maybe was getting the odd, odd like chance on the bench. But he was mainly in their under-21s, whereas you look at Fatty, he is getting game time at Barcelona. Um, so would you want to leave that at the moment? Because I looked up how many game appearances, 16 appearances, four goals at Barcelona. So his record is amazing. And I'm sure, look, I'll go on more into to about, about his stats. Um, but I, I personally wouldn't leave Barcelona for him, for, for himself at the moment. Um, but See, my... My problem with Barcelona is is with youngsters in general. Um, you look at some of the youngsters they've had. They had Bojan Kukic, uh, Munir Al Al Hadi. There's this uh, Ibrahim Afale. Now these were three players who were meant to be really hot prospects, but because they didn't move from Barca at the right time, they stayed a bit too often, and they were happy to play not even second fiddle to Messi, but third or fourth. Even Rafinha, who's now at Celta Vigo, I felt like they really, really ruin their careers um, and I do agree Fatty should stay for a while but if Fatty was to decide to move I really don't think that would be a bad idea Fair enough Yep. Yeah, well as you said Jordan uh, 16 games for Barca four, 4 goals 1 assist um, and for a 17 year old one of the biggest clubs in the world that, that's that's not bad at all uh, he, to be fair Fatty does have a sort of similar play style to Sancho he drives it at, at their defenders, he likes the attack, he likes the whipping crosses. And for Dortmund, you, you're thinking, what a, what a deadly deadly duo, Fatty and Haaland. Fatty getting down the wing, crossing it, and, and Haaland finishing it off. Um, I looked at transfer market, and this is probably one of the most undervalued uh, <laughs> valuations ever. Ansu Fatty, 32 million, even though he's got 175 million release clause. So, you know, you, you, you know, fair play, fair play. But uh, apparently, United are holding talks for him, but Barca have told him that he's not for sale uh, at the current moment. Um, and even though, Bar- even though United were prepared to sell to buy him, sorry, for astronomical uh, amounts, they they still won't sell him at the moment. Uh, so it makes you wonder whether they would even be able to afford um, Ansu Fati Dortmund. But with that Sancho money, you know, it could it could offer some funds. Uh, and I think he would fit perfectly into Borussia, Borussia Dortmund. Now, I've only, that's the only player that I've profiled, lads, because I, I want to open up to you. Yeah, um, that's, that's fine. That's good. That's good. Look, good research there. I think with Ansu Fati, it might be an option to get him on loan. Um, if Dortmund, if Dortmund fans had get him on loan, obviously they've done that with Ashraf Hakimi um, from uh, Real Madrid. Obviously got a two-year loan deal. So maybe he could get a two-year loan deal out of, uh, for Fati uh, from uh, Barcelona. So yeah, well, we could see what happens with him. I still think he's 17 years old, so he has got a, a long time uh, to decide what he wants in his future. Um, so maybe a couple of years at Barcelona. But again, 
if he can get maybe a loan loan deal at a top European club, it's it, it's still a good move for him. So yeah, we could see what happens. But uh, yeah, definitely good research there. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah, well done, well done. Some good stuff there. I think Papi's a, a good candidate. Anyway, right, I'm going to move on to my first player. So the player we're going to be talking about replacing here is obviously Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Now, there are strong talks that Aubameyang will leave Arsenal in the summer. Um, and even if he doesn't, he, he's, he's 30, he's getting to the stage where he, he may not be as important for them uh, as he is at the moment. So you know, it may be time for a swap anyway. Uh, now, the player I'm going to talk about, I'm only going to talk about one because for me it's it's straightforward. Um, and there's only one player to, to to swap with and that is Odson Edouard. Now, Edouard, he's obviously a 22-year-old striker who plays for Celtic and he's obviously been capped by France under 21 level. Now, Edouard's an interesting story really because he joined Celtic from PSG and... Um, for just under 10 million in July 2018 after a successful year loan spell and um, the year before. This season, he scored 21 goals in 27 games for Celtic. Um, and he's also got three and six in the Europa League um, and including two assists in those big group stage games against Lazio. So a really, really good return this season, cracking return. You compare that to last season um, when he scored 15 goals in 32 league games for Celtic. It, it, it's gone up. It's gone up massively. And the impact he's having in games is massive too. He's a player who's always had plenty of promise. And I was quite surprised that PSG let him go. But obviously, PSG, you can understand why they didn't have much patience with him. Because around that time, Mbappe emerged onto the scene. uh, And obviously, PSG snapped him up. So it was quite clear to Edouard after a pretty poor loan spell in 16-17 with Toulouse. It was probably best if he, if he moved abroad. So he obviously moved to Celtic. Um, and he's been, hand, he's been, hands down, the best player in the SPL for a couple of seasons now. Hands down, the best Definitely. player in the SPL. Definitely. Um, since, since Dembele's left, uh, he's really taken that mantle on um, at Celtic. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's really stood up. He's uh, so vital the, for them. Yeah, yeah. Very so. vital for them. And the, the most impressive thing about Edouard is he's a big game player. Five goals in his last seven old firm games. Obviously proves that he's capable of producing on the big stage exactly when his team needs it. I watched the League Cup final this year, Celtic against Rangers, uh, which Celtic won 1-0. And for the vast majority of that game, Rangers battered Celtic. And forgetting Rangers' awful finishing and Alfredo Morelos' I mean, I'm not even going to talk about him for a second. Edouard came on in the 59th minute due to, an, obviously, an injury. And he changed the game for Celtic. I think he absolutely changed the game for them. And that is what a big player, a big striker does. I'm really impressed with Edouard. And it's not just me. It's also the France Football Federation as well. 11 goals in six under-21 games for his country. Now, playing in an under-21 team, people think, uh, well, so what? Well, when it's in the French under-21 team, when some players who are playing professionally in the top league can't even get into that team, it's pretty impressive. And there has also been talk of him getting a call up to the national side under Deschamps. I think Deschamps has had a look at him. Um, and for a few friendly games, he's thought, should I call him up? He definitely should go instead of Olivier Giroud. He definitely needs to go over him now. Um, definitely. I could talk about Giroud all day. <laughs> Giroud is magical. 
Oh no, no, uh, not as you do love her. <laughs> but it, I definitely think Edouard, when he makes a move, he'll be, you know, up front for up front for France. A bit more, a bit more about Edouard first of all. He's six foot two. He's a big, powerful player, but his game's not based around that. Um, his technical ability and his skills are fantastic. He's a master at making space for himself and getting the shot away. But his most impressive attribute is his one-on-ones. Time and again, one-on-one on goal, and he scores, which is such an underrated aspect for a striker because there's not many strikers who can finish under pressure nowadays. But as well as that, he's also selfless too. He works really, really hard for the team and he does a lot of tracking back. Now, that is why I'm going to talk about why he'd fit into Arsenal. So, I think Edouard should have been bought last season after one season, that's, uh, one, after two sorry seasons at Celtic. I think that it's, a, it's a crime he's still at Celtic. He'd be perfect for Arsenal. Absolutely perfect replacement for Aubameyang. Arsenal have proven this season and under Unai Emery that they don't do the whole two up front thing. It, it just doesn't work for Arsenal when they try that. They, they can't do it. It's not in the Arsenal DNA. Whether Lacazette, a player who, in my opinion, is seriously underperformed for Arsenal, seriously underperformed, whether he stays or goes, Edouard is and should be the man to lead Arsenal up front. Arteta obviously demands a lot from his players in terms of physical, uh, sorry, fitness levels and also in terms of pressing. Um, and Edouard's selfless work, right? It will obviously fit in perfectly there. Aubameyang and his level of finishing has papered over a lot of cracks for Arsenal. Uh, this season and the season before, I really think he's, he's papered them over. So it's really important that if he does go, they replace a goal scorer with a proven goal scorer. Now, obviously, I know that Arsenal have other issues that are more important than grabbing a goal scorer. But... I think that's why it's even more important that they make sure that they grab a goal, goal scorer. Because if they, if they lose a Bamiang and they don't bring in goals, they're really, really going to struggle. So I'll get on to his market value in a bit and how much I think he'll go for. But what do you think of Edouard, lads? Yeah, I, I like Hudson Edouard. Um, I do think it is a shame that he's still in the Scottish Premier League. I, again, it's I don't want to say it's a small league because I lo- there's a lot of fans that like Scottish Premier League. So I don't want to down down tool it too much, but when you compare it to where he, his quality to where he should be, he should be in a top five league. Um, I think with him, it'll be interesting to see how can, can he step up to that mark. Uh, so I do think they should keep the likes of Lacazette there. If they're obviously if they offload Aubameyang, um, I would keep Lacazette there just as a a safety net almost. Uh, for that season, and then maybe let Lacazette go the year after, uh, might be a shot. Obviously, you, you mentioned about the two-player thing, and, and Arsenal have never been, uh, well, never been since really since 2005, like when Bergkamp and Henri were there. They've never really had that two-man up-front partnership. Um, so again, I, I do think it's going to be a 4-3-3 with Arsenal. Um, and I think Edward would suit that that striker role, he, he'd have Pepe off the right. Um, I'm again thinking who's who'd play off the left again? Probably Martinelli. Um, Martinelli maybe. Um, and he's got his his ex uh, teammate in Kieran Tierney at left back. So um, I think Kieran Tierney could help him settle in well, um, knowing knowing each other. Plus he's got French teammates Matteo Guendouzi, um, who'll know who'll know from the national side. Um, 
And yeah, you, you, you'll settle in well, I think, at Arsenal. So I definitely think that's a good good shout uh, to go to, to, to Arsenal. Um, yeah. Yeah, Luca. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought I agree. Um, obviously, when going to Celtic, he's he's being managed by Rogers, who's obviously coached their quality players, Luis Suarez, quality strikers. So, you know, Arsenal, Mikel Arteta, who, who knows? Yeah, that's a good point. That is, yeah. and I obviously understand the whole Scottish Premier League sort of thing, but. Sometimes it's it, more and more we're seeing it's worth a gamble. For example, Celtic players just in general, Virgil van Dijk, uh, Stuart Armstrong, who's been very solid for Southampton. Fraser Forster for a couple of seasons was good. Mm-hmm. Victor Wanyama. So I definitely think he, he's worth a and, shot. And, now, market value-wise, uh, I reckon Celtic would be willing to let Edouard go for around £30 million. I think that would be a fair figure. But I definitely think Arsenal have to act quickly because I think a lot of clubs will be sniffing around him. I think he's a prime candidate for Man United as well, uh, especially if they're looking for a kind of a, a cheap striker, a uh, cheaper striker instead of splashing the cash. He's definitely a similar player to Leon's Moussa Dembele. And I think they have been both linked at the same time to clubs. But in my opinion, he's, he's twice as good as, as Moussa Dembele. Moussa Dembele misses a, a lot of chances. Uh, Edward's much more clinical and Ed, Edward's just better. Yeah. He's, he's impressive. I like Edward a lot. That's like, and that's the thing, Theo. I was going to mention Moussa, Dembe, uh, Moussa Dembele uh, when you were listening off to the Celtic players that have come, like the players that have come out of Celtic. Um, and yeah, I think when you look at if what you're saying is his stats are, I think, yeah. And, and it's his build as well. Dembele, did, when you looked at Dembele, it wasn't, he didn't have the build of Edward, um, and it, it was going to be interesting to see how he performed uh, once Dembele left because they were there at the same time. Uh, I think Dembele's last season and Edward's first, they were there at the same time. Yeah, they kind of intertwined. Um, yeah. They intertwined, and then when Dembele left, Edward became the main man. And I think he's uh, really taken it this is the proper spot this season um, and making making that position his own. And yeah, I think I think I moved to a club like Arsenal where. Arteta's progressing uh, the team forward and I do think with uh, just I think Arteta being under the likes of Guardiola before I think he's really gonna like make Arsenal a much better team a much uh, much more united team uh, like kind of like united together as a team quite young quite hungry and I think yeah I think someone like that leading the line in a Premier League side could could really dominate um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what yeah. happens from. Yeah, I think one thing for sure, Edouard, I think the Premier League's where, where he should end up and I'll be very excited to, to see him in the Premier League and see what, what he can do. Brilliant. So that's my first suggestion. Jordan, yeah, jump so, on to your second suggestion now. Yeah, on to my second suggestion. So I'm going to go from striker to centre-back. Um, so I'm going to replace Gerard Piquet um, at Barcelona. Um, a legend, I got him at. He is a legend. Um, at Barcelona. Uh, he joined in 2000, and, well he was there when he was a youngster and then he went to Manchester United. It didn't work out at United so he went back to Barcelona in 2008 uh, under the tutelage of Pep Guardiola um, his first season. Uh, so yeah and he, he also had the mentor of Carlos Puyol as well um, probably one of the best centre back, uh, Spanish centre-backs um, in the last few decades. Um, so yeah so 
a, a good role model to have uh, coming in back to Barcelona. So this season, Piquet, um, he's played 26 times in La Liga, obviously with a, a cut-off, the, the season being like cut off for part of that time, um, and 34 in all competitions. And I've got to say, it's probably close. You'd probably say he's probably got a couple more years left, but it is coming towards the end, I think, um, of his time uh, at the Balgran at the Balgrana. Um, he's got he's got a uh, 16 yellow cards this year. Um, so quite a lot of he's got a really bad discipline. It looks like um, he's not a lot no red cards, but again, you can't be getting that many yellow cards and it not affecting the team because um, that's technically free suspensions um, if you're going by the, the yellow card system with five yellow cards and a suspension. So, yeah, it's, it's probably not good for the team for him uh, to be missing. Uh, so I think someone with a less disciplinary record is a good thing. Uh, so I've got three players uh, for that. Uh, so I think also to mention he's got a really good passing uh, average of 90% uh, successful passes. So, yeah, and that'll be down to the style of Barcelona being a possession side uh, as well. I think that will help um, or does help his stats. But I got him at his aerial presence as well, six foot four, uh, and he's winning 3.4 aerial duels, um, according to who scored. Uh, so that's where I got my stats here uh, from. He's got one tackle per 90 uh, and also uh, one foul per 90 as well. So, Again, going back to the disciplinary record, he's committing quite a lot of fouls. Uh, he's got good clearances and good long balls, about 4.5 clearances and long balls each. Um, and to say the least, he does need to replace because not only is of his age, but you look at Barcelona as a whole in terms of defence, and I don't think it's him that will just need replaced uh, in the upcoming seasons. But Barcelona's attack is the reason they are top of La Liga. Right now, you look at their defence and they've conceded 31 goals this year, which isn't a lot. But when you consider the likes of Real Madrid are ahead of them, you consider Atletico Madrid are ahead of them, you consider Atletico Bilbao are ahead of them, Hitafi and Sevilla, they're all ahead in terms of defensive, in ter terms of uh, clean sheets and goal goals conceded. Um, or like, N not conceding goals, I should say. So the three players I've gone for, um, they're in their prime. Uh, the first player I've gone for is Diego Carlos uh, from Sevilla. Um, so he's a six foot, about six foot or six foot one, uh, 27 years old. He's played 31 games this season. Uh, his stats are really good, quite compa compatible uh, to Pique. Uh, about five clearances a match, uh, about four, four long balls, um, more tackles than PK per match if you if you're going by his average. Uh, probably less aerial duels, but again he's he's slightly smaller, um, so that's possibly why he's getting about two aerial duels rather than about three aerial duels per match. Um, so slightly less, and his passing percentage isn't as high. But when you consider it, Sevilla, Barcelona, different styles of play. So I think if you put him into a Barcelona side, he would really improve in terms of them kind of stats. Um, so again, he's 27, uh, Brazilian. Um, so yeah, he, he might not be in the Brazilian national team like Thiago Silva ahead of him, Marquinhos, and a few others. So it's hard to break into your national side, but he's done well uh, this season. Uh, in terms of his value, um, 
he's around about 29 million on transfer market, but you're probably saying for a rival club of Sevilla, you're probably saying about 40 to 50 million in terms of price range. So that's my first player I thought of replacing Gerard Piquet. The second player I've gone on to is a player outside La Liga. And I've gone for Matthias Ginter uh, for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, I think he's, again, the same kind of frame as uh, as PK, six foot three. He's 26 years old, so slightly younger than Dale Carlos, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but again, he's had a really good season under Marco Rose. Um, they have conceded more than Barcelona um, as a whole. Like I've looked at obviously different styles of leagues, obviously conceding slightly more. But in three games more, they've only conceded 38. So it's quite a good season for Gladbach, quite a, probably a par uh, to what they, they should be doing, about only about one per game, or just over one per game, um, if you're looking at it. Um, in terms of all competitions, Ginter's played in 35 matches. Um, he's won in three aerial balls per 90. Uh, a pass percentage of 85% successful passes, so again, quite high. Um, about over one tackle per game and one inter- interception as well. And also his clearances and long balls are around five five and four, um, which is quite good. So yeah, it'll be interesting if they could go for someone like Ginter. I think it would be slightly different to what Barcelona have gone for in the past. They, they, they've gone for quite a lot of French centre-backs, so I tried to stay away from the likes of Upa Meccano. Um, because it's not really worked, likes of Samuel Mtiti hasn't really worked out. And Longley's good, but he's not world-class. And he's probably not the player that is going to be the main man, I would say, um, controlling that defence. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think he's, Matthias Ginter is quite a, a good shout for that. Uh, what do you boys think of Ginter? Do you think he's a, a good player? Uh, I personally, when I watched him at Dortmund, um, I thought he was quite good. I was quite sad when they got rid of him. Um, but what what do you boys think? Was definitely surprised when when Dortmund got rid of Ginter. Definitely surprised. Um, but been impressed with him at Gladbach. He's had a really really good season this year. Really good season. Gladbach have, have played really well. Um, all their players have performed well. But I'm I'm impressed with Ginter. And just another point with Ginter. Obviously, to Stegen's German too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know that they'll, they'll, they'll obviously know how to have, have played alongside each other. I definitely think Ginter will be along among the, the cheaper price tags for the defenders yeah. as well. Definitely, definitely. Look at what about yourself? Do you have you watched Ginter? Yeah, I think um I've completely lost my train of thought. I think yeah, sorry, Ginter, um the the stats you said earlier, uh in the Bundesliga as well, they've got the Bundesliga is quality for attackers. So to get those blocks, those um the the stats you said against the likes of Werner, Lewandowski, Royce, all these yeah, players, yeah. it's it's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not like he's coming from a league that's versed. So, like, for example, when Theo mentioned the Scottish Premier League earlier with Edward, it's easier to look at a striker from a lower league. But looking at a defender, you're not you're facing still tough competition and players of really high calibre. Um, so he's, he's in a, a team that's quite... A, obviously, with Gladbach, they've got a solid goalkeeper in Sommer. Um, and also Elvedi and players like that around them. So he's played with good players as well. So I think going into a team like Barcelona wouldn't be a, a strange thing. He wouldn't be like going uh, and looking at like, oh, I can't play with these legends and these players that are, are too good for me. I think he could make that step up quite fairly easily, easily I should say. Um, so yeah, I think he's 
he's the one player. What about uh, Carlos? I mentioned him earlier. Obviously, uh, Diego Carlos as well. What What do you guys think of as well? I, th- I think he's a. I think he's a solid defender. Yeah, I think he'd be good. But uh, it's it's if if he personally wants to stay in the Liga for his career or or what he chooses to do. But yeah. Yeah, Theo, not too sure about Diego Carlos. Um, he's he's a, he's a good player. A bit clumsy. He scored no, he scored no goal tonight again. Oh, did he? Um, I didn't. I didn't see that. Yeah, against against the uh, for Levante. Well, he scored four. Obviously, mm-hmm. playing for Sevilla. He's definitely a good shout in terms of um, playing in the Liga already, and he is a quick centre back as well. And that is good. Pace is very underrated for a centre back. I think yeah. all centre backs either need extreme. Um, Exceptional reading of the game or pace. Um, he's, Carlos is also quite. He's quite a solid lad as well. He's quite strong. Yeah, for six foot, he's, for six foot, he's got quite a a, a strong frame to him. Still, he's he's got yeah. quite a lot of muscle, um, and he's not going to be pushed about very easily. Uh, so yeah, I th- I think he's the kind of player that I would look at. I think he's the more likely out of the two of Ginter and him. Uh, to, sadly, to sadly, I'd love to Probably. see Ginter at Barcelona. Um, that would be quite cool, but. Anyway, the last player I'm going to mention, and I'm not going to keep too long about it because I want the other boys to get their, their players in, but the last player I'm going to go for, and I think, again, it could be a, a shout, is Yerai Alvarez, uh, Yerai from Athletic Bilbao. Again, as I mentioned, Athletic Bilbao have got the third best defence in um, the La Liga, and to say the least, they're 10th they're in the league, so it's not, it's not like they're doing amazing at the moment, Bilbao. They, they had a good start. Um, but the defence has really, really kept them strong with with Yerai and with Inigo Martinez at the back. Um, they've done really well. So he's had 30 appearances this season in all competitions, and he's he's only five foot eleven, so he's not he's not the tallest. But his aerial duels one is still 3.5 aerial duels duels one per match. So over three aerial duels one per match is is really good for still for uh, a centre back. Um, I was looking at it. He's got over one tackle per 90 and he's got nearly nearly two interceptions per 90 as well. So he's actually coming out of the defence to, to win the ball uh, from the strikers as well. Um, he's also hardly commits any fouls. Compared to Gerard Piqué with 16 yellow cards, Yerai is only uh, committing under one foul per 90 and he's got four yellow cards. So again, disciplinary record is really good. He's not getting banned and missing matches. Um, in terms of clear clearances and long balls, around about four per match. Um, and also, his passing isn't as good as Gerard Piquet, but considering uh, Bilbao's style of play, um, they're much more of a counter-attacking team. Uh, and with if, if he went into Barcelona, they'd have a more dominant possession style of play. Uh, so I think that would definitely be definitely would improve uh, over time and yeah so his buyout clause this is the one sticking point I think for someone like your eye his buyout clause is 70 million and that won't be budged um, in terms of athletic Bilbao Uh, they they never budge on a a buyout clause and it's going to be it is quite a lot of money to invest Uh, but he's 25 so he's the youngest of the three um, and yeah, he's got his best years ahead of him, so it might be worth it. Uh, also, a little side note, um, I think it's quite a, quite an inspiring story about Yerai, is that he's recovered twice from cancer, um, which is an inspiring, inspiring story for, for a player. Um, two counts of cancer, and he's in 2017. Um, so yeah, 
I, I think that's quite a, a good, a good, a nice way to leave off on a player um, like himself. So yeah, my three suggestions for Barcelona centre backs to replace Gerard, P- the great Gerard Piquet, would be Diego Carlos, Matias Ginter, and Yeray Alvarez. So yeah, I'll hand back to the boys. Yeah, some great, great um, suggestions there, and I love the the mention of Yeray at the end, especially that video. Um, when he obviously comes back into the dressing yeah. room and everyone's yeah. shaving their heads, it's yeah, the, really touching. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really nice touch from the his fellow players at Bilbao shaving their heads uh, for him. It, it it shows it it actually well, this is I, I really like Bilbao personally. That they're, they're my kind of they're my Spanish club, both red and white, obviously linking to Sunderland, and they've got a bit of history uh, themselves in Sunderland. So so I, I really like them, but. Uh, to say the least, you can really see that sense of community, um, and and that's a thing that Bilbao are famed for. So I do think he's had a really good upbringing, um, a team like a, a team like Bilbao. So going into a team like Barcelona, I think he would he would also his smiles quite infectious, if you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, I think he'd really really suit Barcelona and really step in to a good side. I think I think as well, just quickly. Um... PK, I, th- I do think it's time for him to retire. Uh, he's oh, he's one of the best centre backs, definitely Barca's seen in Spain as well. But you know, mate, married to Shakira, retire, <laughs> enjoy your life. You've done your bit. Yeah, definitely, definitely, not a bad way to go out. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, well played, Jordan. Um, really appreciate your your research and you, you've come with some crackers tonight, Luca. Right. Your second and final player. Who are we going for? Yep. Obviously, the great Luka Modric. Um, when we talk about Luka Modric, he's been he's been around uh, he's been around for a while, and and that's because he's, he's a quality player. He's been a fundamental part of Madrid for over eight years now. Um, just to mention a few things that he's won. He's won four Champions Leagues. He's won the La Liga. He's won the Club World Cup. He captained obviously Croatia to the to the final of of the most recent World Cup in Russia. Uh, and he's, he's won the Ballon d'Or. So in 2018, he was the best player in the world. Uh, however, now, 34, he is getting on a bit. Uh, much like the core of Real Madrid, they, they are sort of ageing. Um, getting to the end of their careers, yeah. So who will replace Modric when he eventually hangs up his boots? Well, Real, they don't, they don't really have to buy anyone if they didn't want to, because they've got Federico Valverde, the young Uruguayan uh, centre mid, who, who looks who looks really good. He's caught the eye of many with his defensive capabilities, but he also offers attacking. He's got speed, he's got pace, uh, and he can pass He can pass very well. Uh, in terms of, of bringing someone in, I, I think keeping with the trend of, of Ajax players moving to bigger clubs, I think Donny van der Beek would fit into Real Madrid. Uh, and he could be a perfect replacement for Real. And at the current climate of the transfer market, he could be quite a bargain, to be honest. Uh, he's 23. He's been with Ajax since since he was 11. Uh, he's won the Eredivisie with them. He was nominated for a Ballon d'Or last year. Came 28th, 28th for that. Uh, and he's he's a very exciting prospect. He's fun to watch. He was obviously part of the Ajax team that went on that Champions League run. Um yeah, I, th- I think I think he'd be quality to replace Modric. According to transfer market, he's worth forty million, which it's it's a bargain for a player of his quality and easily affordable for for Real Madrid. Um, 
although he, he doesn't offer as much attacking as Modric, his defensive capability speaks for itself. Um, and he could definitely be, be coached into one of the best. What, what do you think about, about Donny van der Beek? Yeah, I think that's a really good shout, Donny van der Beek. Um, he's a very impressive player. He's a player who's got it all. Uh, he's a box-to-box midfielder, really. Whose finishing is, is really good. Really impressive finishing. Um, I think he'd do really well in that kind of engine room alongside either Valverde or, or Tony Cruz. Uh, so I think that's a really good shout. I like Van der Beek and I do think it's time for him to move on. So, so yeah, definitely, you know, initial, he's got my green light for that one. Yeah. Jordan? Yeah, definitely. I think I, I would, I think Van der Beek would be a good signing. Obviously, he's been linked with a, a number of clubs, Manchester United, um, a few other clubs around Europe. Um, it's whether Real Madrid would go for for someone like him, they're they're obviously famed for going for their galactico signings. Um, obviously Flor- Florentino Perez, he, he likes going for those star-studded players. The likes of Pogba, obviously, has been liked in the past. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see who he goes for. I do think that there are pl- probably other players out there. Um, I I personally think Sergio Milinkovic Savic is a shout. Um, possibly it depends it depends what style they want to go for because Modric is more attacking um, so Van de Beek does make sense more than Milinkovic Savic does but it depends if you want to go for um, one of these Galactico signings which knowing Real Madrid they probably will rather than the more sensible one Yeah, I, I think they dropped a, a clanger in my opinion Real Madrid I think they they, they dropped a clanger by letting go of Matteo Kovacic I think they dropped a, yeah. a, a real big error Kovacic is then the past before the lockdown, before the whole the, the break of the Premier League. Kovacic was tearing it up for Chelsea. He was brilliant, yeah. absolutely fantastic, showing the promise that we all knew he had. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they should have held on to him. Yeah. I really, really think I think Chelsea got a cracking player in Kovacic. They're building a good team, Chelsea. I know we spoke about that earlier. Um, another, another player yeah. I, would, I would consider is uh, Marcel Sabitzer um, from Leipzig as well. He's had a really good season. Um, maybe not the maybe not an immediate like a major impact but I, I still think he's a solid player um, and yeah you've got the likes of Cruz Casemiro uh, Valverde as Luca mentioned um, as well so it's definitely a player uh, they definitely need someone but it'll be interesting to see who they go for but Van de Beek I think is definitely the best shout out, out of them um, he's the youngest and he's the biggest to grow, he's the most likely to grow uh, in terms of yep. in terms of, of ability um, so yeah, yeah. Whoever they get, it will be tough to live up to Luka Modric. But yeah. you know, all all Luka's are a quality. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, mate. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, good. That's a good suggestion. That is, and just funny one on Luka Modric when he when he signed for Real Madrid in his first season. I think it was La Marca. Um, they classed him as one of the worst transfers uh, that season and yeah. of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he soon proved them the more wrong. Uh, so yeah. definitely a world-class player, Modric, and someone who's going to be tough to replace. But I think Van der Beek will be, uh, be a good shout. Brilliant. Right. So moving on to the final player, which is my final player. Now, I'm going to talk about Milan Skriniar and his replacement. So Skriniar is a player who's been linked with a number of clubs, and I do think he, he will leave. Um, and he's vital for Inter Milan. He's probably been their best player um, defensively for a number of years now. So he will be a big loss for both Serie A um, and also Inter Milan. Now, again, I have found the player 
who is a perfect rela uh, replacement for Skriniar, and that is Ozan Kabak. Now, Ozan Kabak is a 20-year-old centre-back, a Turkish centre-back who plays for Schalke. He's a very, very old-school centre-back. He's six foot one. He's good in the air and on the ball. He's composed. He gets stuck in. And he's the best of an impressive up crop of upcoming young Turkish players yeah. that are coming through the ranks. So a bit about Kavek. He joined Schalke from Stuttgart last summer for 13.5 million, which of course is a huge fee for a 19-year-old who only ever spent six months at Stuttgart um, because he joined from boyhood club Galatasaray. Galatasaray. He's been capped by Turkey at senior level as well. He's, he's got one cap. Um, and he obviously excels as a centre-back, but he can play in central defensive midfield. So this season, so Kabak has played 23 games out of 31 for Schalke this season in the Bundesliga. And he scored three goals, which is very impressive for a centre-back. It's not what you look for exactly or specifically as a, a centre-back, but you know it's definitely a, a bonus. But his next steps for me, stats for me are most impressive. Schalke's season started fantastic. However, since the turn of the year and that 2-0 win against Gladbach on the first Friday back, Schalke's season has been horrific. They haven't won a game since January. Their injury list is ridiculous and has been ridiculous. So, Kabak has really had to stand up and be counted. And also with Schalke as well, just to give you more, some more background on, on the problems they've had. Obviously, Alexander Nubel, the goalkeeper, um, in, in around January time, they announced him as the new club captain. And then a couple of days later, they announced that he was joining Bayern Munich in the summer on, on a free. So obviously there's been uproar, the captaincy was ripped off him. There's real problems behind the scene at Schalke. So it's, it's not been the greatest place to play. So just remember that when we go and have a look at these, these stats for Kabak. So with Kabak in the team, Schalke averaged 1.30 points per game, which isn't too bad, which isn't too bad at all. His passing accuracy uh, in those 23 games has been 81%. Which is, which is very, very good. He's won 67% of duels and 65% of tackles, making 86 clearances and 34 interceptions. And he's only conceded 20 fouls. Now, these stats, they mean absolutely nothing without a comparison. So I thought I'd pull up the stats of one of the most talked about centre-backs in world football, who we've mentioned tonight, which is Red Bull Leipzig's Diachanch Kula, a Pumacano. I'm just going to say a Pumacano. A Pumacano. It's just, it's just a, easier. It's Diet Pumacano. Yeah. It's, uh, you, did yeah. you see the middle name there as well? The, I did say the middle name. Okay. I was I like, when, I get it I was like when, he start, when he started saying it, I was like, what is this? And then it's like, fair enough. No, that, After that, full Monday. So, a Pumacano. Of course, a Pumacano has been scouted by virtually all the big clubs in Europe. And he's been heavily linked with Arsenal, Man United, as always, Man United to name but a few teams. So how do they compare? Well, let's have a look at this. So Pumacano has played two more games. He's played 25 over Kabak's 23. He's got a pass accuracy of 98%, so obviously that's higher. But he's only won 60% of both duels and tackles. He's also lower than Kabak with clearances, making 80. And he's only made three more interceptions than him. He hasn't scored the season as well. And he's conceded more fouls. He's conceded three more fouls. Now I've watched a bit of Kabak this season. I watched him uh, yesterday evening against Leverkusen and I was so impressed with him. I was so impressed for such a young player. He's so composed and tenacious 
He wants to dribble out with the ball. He's not afraid to put his foot in and get stuck in. And also, he's not afraid to, to go for a long pass. Um, it's, it's really quite admirable, especially in such a young player. He's got so much potential with both his footballing skills and also his leadership qualities. Um, in a very young Schalke team, let's not forget goalkeeper, he's under 21. The back four have been made up of a lot of lone players. Miranda um, from Barcelona, Mendy, John Joe Kenny, very young players. He's really took control this season. So he's a very impressive player, Kabak. Now, he would suit Inter Milan perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. Conte um, obviously loves old school, never say that die defenders. He loves them. He loves that that way of how you play. He does uh, like. Football. He does love old defenders as well, doesn't he? He <laughs> does well. like old defenders that, as well. But so. I think he's slowly, he's slowly with, which I'll get on to in, in a minute. He's slowly kind of. I'd say maturing. To be fair, in my opinion, I'd say maturing or, or getting a more rounded view. Of, of younger players. Godin's obviously getting on a bit in age um, and he hasn't been that regular this season. And obviously with the emergence of another young centre-back at Inter Milan, which is Alessandro Bastoni, mm-hmm. Kabak would be the perfect player to line up alongside either Bastoni, Godin or De Vrij, or even in a, in a back three. Serie A would suit um, Kabak perfectly too. He loves defending and he, he sure is committed to the cause. And he'd be a perfect player for Inter Milan. I, I genuinely can't think of a better centre-back than Kabak who'd be more suited to Inter Milan. So same as always, before I get onto the bit of the, the market value, um, lads, what do you think of Kabak? It's a bit of a out-there shout. Yeah, I've, I've never really heard of him. Uh, to, say, to say Theo, I, I've not really heard of him. The player that I thought you were, I thought you were going to go down the line of when you said Turkish, I thought of Med Demiral um, from... Juve, yeah. uh, the Juventus centre back. Is he at now? Uh, no, he was he was on low. He was at Sassuolo and then Juve bought him, um, and then I think they loaned him back to Sassuolo the year before. I'm not entirely sure, but I think he's been injured um, this season. But that, that's the player I thought you were going to talk about. But I've never really heard of Kabak. He's it's quite an interesting story, as you mentioned. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting one to see um, what he could do in maybe the Serie. Um, yeah, but again, if you what what do you think? Where do you think Skriniar uh, will go to? Uh, then what's what's your opinions of Skriniar? I think Skriniar will end up at Man City. There's talks of Lucas. Is it Lucas Hernandez um, from Bayern Munich as well with the with the Zani swap off? So there's talks about that. Um, but yeah, Skriniar, I think I, I would say he's a better defender um, than Hernandez. So yeah, I, I think he's going to be a major loss to Inter no matter what. But as you mentioned, if they can bring in Kabak and he can perform at that level, um, that would be really interesting to see if he could do it. Because was that the, is he, has he been at uh, Galatasaray this season, was it? Was it this season? No, he was at Galatasaray um, start of last season. Was it last season, right. Okay, so he's, um, he's been at Schalke. He's like an 18-year-old kid, yeah. Okay, so he's been I at Schalke the whole of this season, yeah. I think he's, I think he's definitely a future prospect and, and, uh, yeah, Tur- Turkey have good centre backs, man. Kaglo, yeah. so young kid. Yeah. Uh, Kavak, so yeah, who knows? Turkey have got a good um, team of youngsters um, coming through. There's a, there's a goalkeeper actually who um, they 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 like quite a lot. I can't remember his name, but he, he's Trabzonspor's number one. Um, I don't know if if one of you can pull pull his yeah. name up. Yeah, he's twenty or twenty one years old, um, and Turkey he's awesome. Under really, as well. Really good player coming up. Yeah, uh, Under. 
He's a good player. And obviously, they've got a core of players. They've got, obviously, Emre Moore as well, who, if he ever finds his potential, will, will do all right. Uh, Chanelogu is, is, nev- is not going is it, anywhere. Is it, Kake, is it Ur- Urgak and Kake? Is yeah, him. He, he's he's very highly. Rated. I don't know how you said his name, but that, that's my best pronunci- pronunciation of. Uh, very highly rated young goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, he looks pretty good. Yeah. In terms of market value for Kabak, I think he's going to attract a lot of interest this this summer. I think Schalke will play hardball because he's got a number of years left on his contract anyway. But I think in in today's financial climate, I think a, a bid of thirty five to forty million will probably tempt Schalke into selling but if Inter can sort the pairing out if Inter can grab him and, and get a pairing at the back of Bastoni and Kabak um, and then obviously they've got Esposito up front the 18 year old wonder kid they've got a real real basis and foundation for a team to, to really build in, in the future so I think Inter Milan are a couple of signings away from a really really good team who mm-hmm. not just domestically but also um, Europeanly, yeah, you, I, 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 you know, you know, yeah, European scene, in the European scene, on the Europe scene, yeah, yeah, can really, really challenge. So, yeah, that that's my suggestion on Kabak there. Um, in terms of football news, is there anything we want to briefly mention or or ask a, a question uh, about? Comes back. Looking forward to it. Um, I think it's 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 quality. I've been waiting so long. Prem's back. You know, help the boys. Yeah. Very, very true. The Premier League's back on Wednesday. Uh, yeah. The long-awaited league. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one. It's going to feel weird, but I'm looking forward to the Prem. I'm going to be be watching that Villa Sheffield United game and then the, the City Arsenal one on Wednesday. Yeah, you've you've got both your teams coming back, and I've not got my team coming back. Sadly, the League One, the League One season was cancelled. Sadly, um, but I it was kind of expected. Um, so yeah, that that was a shame. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. And we move on, we push on, keep the faith. So, Wise words. We push on, we keep the faith. Well, thank you very, very much, Jordan and Luca, for, for being on the episode today. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been a cracking episode and the research has been awesome. So I really appreciate the hard work you guys have put in. Would you like to say anything to the, the listener finally? Yeah. Um, first, well, the first thing to say is follow us on Instagram. Um, so the Emphatic Fanatics podcast. Uh, yeah, give us a follow. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll hopefully have some more content coming up in the future on Instagram as well. Uh, maybe some polls and um, different things like that on what you want to see. Um, as as the fans, as the view, as the listeners, I should say. Um, so yeah. Uh, hopefully we can bring more to you. Uh, on that. And yeah, we've got a few good ideas um, we're, that we're coming up with. Um, hopefully, breaking down a few teams in the Premier League um, in the future with with a couple of uh, fans themselves. Um, so getting them on the podcast. So it'll, it'll be more than just the three voice normal voices you hear. Um, hopefully, we'll have a few guests on as well um, to give their viewpoints. Yeah, yeah. We here we here at the emphatic fanatics are working really really hard. To, uh, to, to just be interesting, really. Yeah, just uh, thanks for everyone who listened. We'll try, we try to be weekly. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Wise words there. Right, thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it, and we look forward to being back soon. Yep. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya.